gives out at the end of this retreat. <laughs> uh, that's a sign of uh, for my sabbatical. <laughs> I like symmetry, so I began the winter's retreat with a chest cold or virus. As you remember, the formal retreat in the beginning and then and it's up here on the end of this one. So these are the Devadutas, the messengers uh, sending forth uh, advice. So for the next year I will shut up. <laughs> which pleases me no end. I'm sorry I missed your reflections last night, Sister Meta. <laughs> but I was feeling so terrible that I... Well, uh, I should rest. Well, then you can reflect right now the results of this retreat, uh, both from the beginning, when we started in January, to this present moment, to either this, this designated period of time, winter's retreat, and uh, with the emphasis has been on for the uh, monastic this uh, mindfulness or relinquishing of uh, duties and and the noble silence with conviviality and the result is is right now this is a result of what we've been what we've done so far Of course, you don't need to figure it out what the result is. It's just trusting in, I mean, just aware of this uh, present as it is, as you're experiencing it. I think for many of us, one of the biggest obstructions in in uh, practice is wanting, is trying to figure it all out, and trying to know it in the 
that through words, concepts, theories, and uh, this, of course, is uh, you know the way we're we're educated to to think, and thinking is a strong attachment, strong identity. We feel very frustrated not to know, to be in a state of not knowing, and it. We can feel very, you know, emotionally quite insecure when we don't know. So this desire to know is very strong. To have it, to either have somebody tell us or to figure it out. To have answers for the questions, solutions to the problems. It's uh, not knowing where we just aware and awake that it's uh, when we you know when we think about it then we we try to figure out how to do it and this is then this encouragement to just trust in attend and just being awake, exploring it, investigation of this present moment. So not knowing is is most is most valuable. The question, the doubt, the the insecurity Instability, confusion, amorphousness. So where we, you know, we, the, our desires, uh, desire mind doesn't like this at all. We like sharpness, clarity, precision, order. In, the, in uh, our life here at Amravati, this, I encourage this, uh, you know, this, this trusting in not knowing, allowing yourself to not know what to do, where to go, how to practice, what to think. In the sense of relaxing, in the, in the sense of a, of awakened attention, you know, you're here, but as if you can just totally let go and relax, not have to do anything or prove anything, get anything, get rid of anything. And so this is just, this is a reflection, these are instructions on how I want you to practice here. I mean, recognize that I teach, I'm not a real teacher, I'm, a, I'm more or less reflecting in the present. 
I don't want to tell you or or the you know what I say is what you have to do. There's more or less an encouragement and uh, empowerment, maybe. So listening to the various people who were monks, nuns who were giving the evening reflection, you can see it's such an individual thing. Everyone was different. And then this, this, uh, this is, uh, you could compare who's, you know, the tendency to compare and criticize and prefer and all this come up. Recognize that that each one of us is uh, coming from where we're at. The conditions that the the habits that manifest in the present are like this. So when I think of the this perception of sabbatical uh, that uh, brings a sense of kind of joyfulness. It's really a treat to to get off the hook, uh, to uh, not not have to, to to kind of live in a way I'm not involved in the endless administrative and teaching and and uh, duties of a monastery these things uh, you know the commitment to this life and uh, this you know determination to to uh, in my life here in England, in Britain, for the past 25 years, 26 years, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, in many ways such a important uh, experience. In the 25 years of, of uh, meditation, and then with the, with the strong commitment to establishing the monasteries, sangha, life, etc., got into ideas, a lot of ideals, ideas, perceptions, but not knowing what was really going to happen, you know, coming from into a place where you don't know what the future will bring. So, as a result, you know, the result is quite, for me, is quite a good one, both personally and for myself in the actual existing monasteries, Chitters and Amravati, Harnam, and so forth, the various um, branch monasteries that have come into being. And this, of course, is uh, you know the the um, the I've had to investigate you know the 
the commitment itself, the uh, responsibilities and the positions, and uh, learn from the way it is rather than always try to uh, work from from the ideal I have. So trusting in it is it's like a, a continuous kind of exercise in in doing and and uh, kind of initiating things, starting things, and uh, starting something without really knowing, not having you know, willing to take the risk, stick uh, stick my neck out, head above the parapet. And see what happens. And it's uh, in terms of, say, just the uh, meditation itself, learning to what works for me. You know, what is it? You know, that how does it? You know, I can get the, the party line, the Theravada version, the Thai forest tradition, Lung Phu Cha's teaching. Um, various other influences but in the, in the long run it's really learning from a very direct way the way things manifest so it's uh, it's not like a technique or or a tradition or external something external that I'm taking and trying to inculcate and, and make make it work in my mind but uh, you know as I used to try to take these various techniques that I read in Visuddhimagga or that I get from various teachers and, uh, and then then using that technique so I found various techniques quite useful helpful others not so helpful that's just from my, you know, observing, from learning from experience. It's nothing to do with, you know, saying that the way I do it uh, is the best way or the way everyone else should. So let's say that each one of us has you know, if we if we try to, if we don't trust ourselves in our intuitive reality, then we tend to try to make ourselves into something, and going to fit ideas, ideals, live, live up to standards that are imposed from outside, uh, fit in, and try to. Uh, make ourselves into something, trying to become. Of course, that uh, is only going to lead to more suffering. Uh, no matter how how good you try to be and how loyal and dutiful and, and determined and all the rest, if you haven't really awakened from within, if you're only acting a role or adopting external things then it's like, like just wearing a robe 
you know, you can change your appearance, take off the lay clothes, shave the head, put on a robe, and, and then you, you do look like, you can make yourself look like a, a monk or a nun. But it's like a costume then, it's a masquerade. So then, uh, then it's this uh, awakening within it, this, this budget tongue, you know. What is it? You know, it's so, so immediate and so simple that it, that, you know, when you try to think, you can't think about it. You've just got to learn to do it. So I remember years ago figuring this out. And then to try and all these smarty trips I've been on in the, in the, uh, uh, efforts to, to, uh, get rid of the calaces and, and, uh, develop the vinaya and to, let you know, surrender to the form and all the rest. You know the the ideas and the the uh, instructions, the uh, expectation, the, what I project onto teachers of what they expect me to do, how to conduct myself and be a good bhikkhu and and uh, live the holy life. But if I haven't awakened from within, then it, it, you know, you can, you, it's going to be terrible disappointment. Because like any masquerade, uh, is, uh, it's only that. You know, it might be fun for a while. You know, like go to a masquerade party, it's fun to dress up as, as a, um, as a clown or as a, king or something and then uh, and you can act like one play the role and and have fun with it but you can't sustain it and it's uh, because it's it's merely adopting the mannerisms the words the external conditions that that uh, one can maybe enjoy doing but you can't live with it fun to act or play roles or or uh, pretend though so his monastic life you know is, is this is it to, to play the role to act to put on the costume to say all the right things is one thing and then but if if you don't awaken then it it's merely a performance that will go sour. So in, in the, the, uh, developing of samadhi, all the, the kind of instructions that or the way one would read the scriptures or Visuddhimagga. You know, one, you know, always this, you put so much faith in the scripture 
because in the beginning we feel very, you know, we don't know anything. You need, you need the kind of advising direction from outside. I remember in, when I was a student in Berkeley and was trying to teach myself meditation. Then it was trying to practice Zen according to a book. And, uh, remember just, uh, sitting for five minutes was, was like an eternal hell realm. Never remember five minutes being so long. Then going to Thailand and starting in Wat Mahathat with the Mahasi Saidao method and at least I had something, you know, some some something to use. And uh some external you know, somebody who would kind of give me tell me how to do this, how to to practice Anapanasati or walk Chongom everything in a very kind of slow, deliberate way. <clears throat> so I found that quite <clears throat> helpful as a kind of beginning, you know. It gives me something to, to use, a technique. And uh, so I've always been quite grateful for that. And the irony of it is is uh, I, I only was there a few months and then I, you know, left and became a Samanera in uh, Northeast Thailand. And but I had when I when I started in the Samanera, at least I had a technique, something to some practical system. And then through that year of uh, my Samanera. Year, I could begin to see, you know, began to realize that the, you know, as I would reflect on what was actually happening, I couldn't just hold everything, do it, just live all the time with a technique. You know, to, to practice that technique, you were left alone. You know, I was about alone for a year, and to, to just do that technique. 24 hours a day, or even 10 hours, even 5 hours. It just was, uh, you know, it did, it did give me something to start off with. And then, as I began to recognize that the, the kind of forces that were being unleashed in me, the kind of, uh, if you're left alone for a year, and, you know, with nothing to do, Go yip or pong noa. <laughs> That's the rising falling in ties. You know yip noa pong noa and the and, uh, and walk trying to walk very slowly. I remember uh, they used to he, he, the the monks at the monastery used to tell me, oh, this is a really good. This monk's really good. And he walks very slowly and very deliberately. They were praising this one monk, and so I was wondering, well, I'll, I'll practice that. So I learned to do it that way, so I could get the praise. 
Then there was a, a, a wealthy woman in the town owned the cinema hall, Chinese woman, and she, she was my supporter. Every day she'd send a tiffin carrier, the, uh, food to me, my one meal a day, and, and it was, uh, uh, very nice food, Chinese food, and, Really, really nice, good stuff. And if, if she didn't do it, then I have to eat the food that the Mei Cheese made in the monastery, and that was all kind of Isan type food, and it, I didn't really like it. It was really rough and unappetizing. So, um, I felt very lucky to have this food. And then during that, that year, this famous year of 19, 66, um, there's this terrible flood, and the Mekong River flooded. And, uh, I woke up one morning and, and I looked out and there were refugees all over the monastery, because the monastery was on a kind of hill, hillock, high ground. And the whole town of Nongkai had been completely inundated. And the people had, had taken refuge in, in the monastery. <clears throat> and that day, my tiffin carrier of Chinese food didn't arrive. <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, remember feeling very upset by that. <laughs> and because everybody was, was, uh, well, I mean, everybody was in a state of shock. They were just surviving. And they even forgot, and nobody checked on me. And so that day I didn't have any food. And brought up all kinds of uh, emotions. Uh, fear, resentment, of being in a helpless state and not knowing, if, you know, suspicion, mistrust, anger, rage. But there was an awareness of this. I can see how, how, you know, Dependent I get, no one couldn't get on things being a certain way. And then they change, and then this, and that change would bring up these emotions. So this, I began to recognize that if I, if I could just allow these emotions, I began to to, rather than just push them away or tell myself, you know, I shouldn't feel like this, you know, putting on the good line, I should be grateful and being reasonable about it because I can be incredibly reasonable about everything and know exactly how I should react and if I were a mature person and uh, be very grateful for the food that has been given so far and fully understand the fact that uh, due to the flood maybe they, they didn't you know they couldn't get the food to me and uh, the, uh, this is all being very reasonable isn't it but then the emotion was like this and different so then just beginning to witness that emotion rather than you know recognizing that if you if you allow the emotions into consciousness That was uh, 
insight I had not just trying to suppress them or to actually believe in them you know to, to, to really wind myself up with them but there, there was a, a way of allowing what you're feeling to be conscious and just by opening to that recognizing that and to, to uh, have insight into the way things actually are the arising ceasing of conditions so it wasn't just uh, you know the old Vipassana line or everything's impermanent and dukkha and no self and all that not a that's an intellectual projection but it's in, in learning in, in fully engaging in this by being fully with the conditions that are that are have arisen, and and uh, allowing them to be the way they are, they, then you're aware they they're changing. They're, you know, not, there's nothing static, permanent. I figured it all out that year and uh, and then the insight into into the development of the doubt as a, as to be you know to to open to not knowing to the space between words or thoughts the end when the emotions cease not knowing it's a real, really a special time for me because uh, um yeah, there's the uh, opportunity to uh, be relieved from duties, positions, giving talks, teaching, being a, such a central figure to everything. Uh, this hasn't happened for years. <laughs> As either junior monk in training, and then from that into, after eight losses, I became the the Jawawat habit of Wat Nanachat established that was just a, a burial ground uh, when we went there with nothing there except ghosts and um, that time on it was after eight wasas and now many eight wasa monks would He's so foolish as to do that. <laughs> I came to England uh, after ten losses. 
that was another, this is kind of only ten years, now ten, ten Vasa mark, nothing is it? Terror of it. And they, they but they coming to live in the, in the UK was going into the unknown. And they didn't know. And when I, fortunately I have a lot of, uh, I, I don't, uh, I'm not, a, a ter- I'm not terribly, you know, I don't, um, whether it's, uh, whether I'm naive or a bit stupid or what, <laughs> I, I didn't think about it that much. I had a lot of faith in, in the, uh, in the, in the, what I had learned so far. It'd been quite profound for me. So, so then, uh, then the, this opportunity came to come to this country. That was, the whole process has been going, you know, just more or less trusting in intuitive intuition. And uh, not not letting a lot of doubt then worry in that obsess the, the consciousness. So it's uh, like this sense of sata is uh, obviously I had quite a lot of that, and uh, a sense of going into the unknown, the risk of going of. Uh, of some, you know, not knowing what the result will be. So, like the sabbatical is the unknown, and uh, what it's like to be free from duties, and uh, I like to be uh, kind of uh, incognito. I don't want to go to India as Ajahn Sumedho. You get stuck in giving lectures and instruction meditation retreats. I'll probably avoid the Buddhist places. (laughs) (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, there I'm I'm too well known and and then uh, people will endlessly invite me. I'll probably get a collection of more fabulous titles <laughs> if I went as Ajahn Tomato. Living in the community, for example, is is uh, you know this refuge in Sangha and like this uh, this winter's retreat this sense of conviviality and emphasizing this and of course that's rather in our tradition we've never we've never emphasized that <laughs> uh, it's uh, strict practice and 
noble silence and discipline or the kind of the way we tend to you know the perceptions that we generally use but then the result is that you know I can see as a uh, one tends to get you know a, you know a certain result from that but then it uh, in terms of a developing a community of friends kalyana mitta and that it's, it it doesn't doesn't help does it if we one is just concerned with oneself only and uh, and sees everyone else is just you know gives the messages don't you know stay away from me i'm developing my practice So and at certain times in our lives we need to do that. But also, uh, this time I think this in Dhammavati, this, this sense of conviviality was, is very important. Sense of well-being, of enjoying the life here. Uh, make, you know, an attitude that, that helps us to enjoy living here. Appreciating it, appreciating each other rather than just putting up with each other <laughs> or or seeing others as a, as a, you know you know getting in the way we all have in a community you know with always somebody that that irritates us or, or you know that we don't particularly get on with very well or who frustrates us so is to shut this out or to ignore or to learn. You know, we learn from both of the ones we get on with well and the ones that we find uh, irritating. But this uh, conviviality I found was very, the result seems to be quite good in a sense of, in a sense of relaxing, of, of happiness, of goodwill rather than this intense meditation, practice noble silence, shut up, mind your own business, and, uh, um, you know, be disciplined, be on time, keep the rules, uh, oh no, like this, these, these kind of messages, what do they, how do they affect you? You know, if, if, if I start the retreat with, okay, now, Noble silence means that, well, like I used to say, only, you know, if the place catches on fire, you can yell fire. And Barry, Massachusetts, uh, they, they just send notes, you know. They, they have this noble silence, and then they, they end up writing notes to each other. So then, this putting noble silence and conviviality together—do does you know? Does that does the one? How do they connect? So this, these are suggestions to the mind. You know, attitude. An attitude is, is is what I see is most useful. The kind of right attitude of of a sense of open and and 
openness, friendliness, goodwill, uh, in which we, 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 we can share our lives with each other, we can live together, uh, and not, uh, and not just, if we like, if say, be strict, keep the rules, uh, don't talk unless it's something important, then that gives another message. Then we see, you know, then it brings up this, this, um, kind of shutting out, you know, and see that, that if somebody smiles or talks or something that they're, then we feel very uh, kind of, uh, annoyed with them. So I remember in the past, in the winter's retreat, just getting very annoyed with some people who talked too much and made too much noise or never got to the pujas on time or didn't even get to the pujas or whatever. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you kind of say, you know, I expect you all to, you know, to be here on time and, and give the, the line of, you know, obeying the rules and pulling your weight in the community and doing all the right things. And then the result of that would have a certain result from giving off that message. Then, uh, then this, and that's more like, you know, if I'm being, having lived in the military, you know, it's, uh, it has this, I have a karma with that kind of way of operating. Everybody march and step. Tension. March. Right, left, right. <laughs> So in the, uh, then what is conducive, say, for mindfulness, for liberation? So I was just asking myself, what, what, what is useful, what is helpful to me for feeling at ease in the present? Or being able to relax in, in this present moment. Being at ease and open. And so is it like if you feel you're with your friends, don't you? People that, that we love each other, we care about, we're willing to support each other, then we, we feel a sense of ease. If I feel I'm in a community of people who have very high standards and uh, very critical minds. And that uh, if I don't live up to the high standards, then, then they're all going to, you know, look down on me, reject me, criticize me. Then uh, I can't relax. You know, I just get intent, more uptight. If I feel you're all just, you know, very, uh, you know, very high standards of discipline, practice, and all that, then this, then I go into this mode. And, uh, when I can't keep it up, then one feels, or, you know, I could actually do things like that quite well. I've got a strong constitution.
and uh, uh, you know I let some people you know collapse very quickly <clears throat> then they feel bereft inadequate failure So then the question, what's important? You know, strictness, rules, punctuality, uh, obedience. You know, is that the way to where I can relax and trust and open to the present? Or, uh, you know, or that doesn't do it for me. You know, it actually puts me into a state of of, uh, you know, trying to make myself, the, or the willfulness, the strong will, of trying to prove myself. Even competitive, you know, you, if you can really sit straight and sit in full lotus and, and, and you don't nod and fall asleep and then you look at You can get very snooty and That's not liberating, is it? To, to you know, in a community where to to always have you know have these high standards that that you set, and then then those that can you know can make themselves do it, and those that can't, and then what happens to the mind? What is the result? And then you think, well, we should just have. <clears throat> Laid back, do as you please. <laughs> and that, uh, for some people that might even be good. <laughs> but say for a community then to, do, you know, we do have, uh, a form, a style, uh, a quality that we respect. You know, so like from the Thai forest tradition, Tamabinaya, and so forth. You know, trying to get the spirit of it, the, the spirit of that, the, the beauty of it, and an attitude that comes from that. How to, you know, is it is it merely, uh, you know, a, a willful act to make yourself, you know, hold it as an ideal that you have to attain, or to learn how to to get you know to to, in, to love the spirit of the life without making yourself do things uh, that you can't do, or to uh, you know make the, the the spirit of the life isn't a, a high standard, isn't it? Isn't it basically a, a awakening? It's a uh, it's a vehicle for empowering us. It's saying, like, you know, wake up and observe, pay attention, really open to, to this moment. With this form, you know, so we have a form that we use, a monastic form. That's part of the present moment, isn't it? 
that's uh, that's a part of this present moment. This is the robe and so forth, the temple. So that belongs to. And then if we see it in terms of, on a personal level of, you know, taking it all very personally about how good or inadequate we are, that's another thing. Then it, then we lose the spirit and we, we, we try to become an ideal, live up to a high standard. This is where, you know, you see, monks and nuns who are at ease with themselves trusting you know, they have the sense of being at ease of being at ease within themselves and they may not be the most you know impressive in terms of external form uh, and it's not that, that they sit the straightest or you know uh, live, live to the highest standard that you can imagine but it's the, the sense of being at ease with yourself, with life, with this present moment. So the, the, the spirit of this, you know, what is the spirit of our life? Of yourself. Is a renunciation and fewness of needs and These these can be seen as kind of imperatives that we you know we shouldn't be greedy. We should be content, and uh, we've got to get rid of our lustful habits and conquer our hatred. That's one way of it's a very kind of dualistic way of interpreting it. Is that the spirit of the life? And then, or this. Is a sense of awakening. To awaken in the present, what does it take? Does it make yourself wake up and kind of command, shout at you, attention, actum? That's what you do in the army, in the navy, <laughs> and in the, uh, on the battlefield and so forth. So, then to me, to me just investigating this myself, the, the, to awake, to be awake and aware right now. If I, if I kind of, if the inner tyrant or the jackal starts, then he goes and says, you should, you should be more mindful. That's the jackal, and then that, that's, so the jackal says, pay attention. And then, so the, that, that might be good under, in a very dangerous situation, you know, where, you know, the, the tiger is chasing me, and suddenly, you know, got a, <clears throat> we're on the battlefield. But in, in terms of this situation here, temple, nice temple, uh, you know, people that are keeping precepts, bana, dibata, and that kind of thing, and uh, so forth. You, you know, the 
where there is a, you know, there isn't any kind of uh, bandits at the doors or, or you know, obvious dangers, immediate dangers. So then you recognize that the, the, the ambience is like this, the Buddhist monastery. You know, it's, uh, it has its, you know, its quality to it. it um, it's like this. You know, people, we're, we're harmless. We, we take the precepts. We, we volunteer to become harmless. Our relationship to each other is, is not harming each other. <clears throat> Intentionally harming. And so, reflecting in this way, the, the way, you know, we live together is, is, uh, is it just to stop us from, you know, keeping rules in order to, to, uh, restrain our, our, uh, evil tendencies. But it's, uh, like a social agreement of, of, it develops trust. If we all, if we all, you know, we create an atmosphere where we can, can feel safe and at ease with each other. Say on the, on the external level. And internally, you know, if it's, if we're still coming from inside, you know, of, of, you know, just being angry and, and, and with others who, who don't live up to our standards, or if we, no, we, we, we resent or we feel threatened and all that. If we are aware of all this, if we don't have a way of allowing these, these emotions, uh, to, to be what they are, then we, we either <clears throat> believe them and get very, you know, uh, tyrannical towards each other, or we feel terribly guilty all the time. Because we, you know, we feel might very guilty about the way we we feel about our anger or greed. So instead of that, this conviviality, sense of of will and trust, openness, a community where these are encouraged, then to me this this gives me a sense of of being at ease, and this, and if I, if I can relax and and trust, then the mindfulness isn't isn't is it's not a, a willful act that I force into into my consciousness through a command. It's a it's a pleasure. It's a holiday of the heart. It's a sense of 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 resting. Ajahn Kandiko gave me this cartoon today and it referred to it as a siesta. I like that. Meditation is a kind of siesta. No, I remember that like in the in the uh as many of you probably are aware, that when you, you get, your emotions get stirred up and and uh, so forth, and there are the various things that happen to us here, and then coming in here, you know, like sitting, 
down and like to get, go have a siesta rather than you know a, a trial of making it will with willfully trying to make yourself get samadhi avoid more of the sense of just letting go being able to come in and have a mental siesta and so then this just relaxing and, and letting the the, the third up emotion or the that just letting it be you know not trying to you know it's like when you're stirring you know by trying to make it calm down you're stirring it up and like you're letting things just fall into place according to their nature you can, you can continually agitate your mind through your attempts to to make yourself calm or get samadhi so this uh Lungpacha, of course, I said before, called it holiday of the heart meditation. I can see very much that was his whole kind of way of of seeing it, because you know people would lay people would come and they would say, "Oh, we don't have time to meditate. You know, we're so busy." And do you have time to eat? They well, of course. <laughs> we have to eat. Well. Like meditation is, you have to you have time to sleep. Yes. Well, and you have time for a holiday of the heart. And it is very skillful in that. If you just if you never have a holiday of the heart, then you, you you get burnt out, don't you? You just wind yourself up, get stressed, stressed out, burnt out, cracked up, basket case. Nervous breakdown, shattered, and so forth. These are the way people describe their lives. Not knowing, then, seeing like this sense of I found a relief to just don't have to know. There's all these kind of things of having to get something or do something or prove something. And this reminds them, no, that's not it. There's a sense of simplification, like see monastic form as simplicity rather than as complicated vinaya with a lot of rules that you have to keep. And, and, to, and if you don't keep them, then you're impure and, and it all gets very confused and complicated. And then we, we, you know, get incredibly nervous and tense because we're always trying to live by the rules and uh, not, you know, and, and if we break the rules, if we can't keep the rules, we're not very good, or, or like that, that kind of way of thinking. Or see, see it is just an invitation to simplicity fewness of needs isn't this kind of demand that you shouldn't be greedy, is it? It's opportunity to to just let go of all the kind of complicated ways that we hold on and things we must have and are attached to. Uh, we begin to see we don't need, we don't need very much. There's, there's a renunciation as, as a kind of 
beautiful way of simplifying rather than a demand that we we get rid of things. Now this is an attitude of the mind. This is an attitude, not a not asking you to do it. Not a technique, but it, it's a, a beautiful attitude that is the spirit of, of this form, this sense of simplicity, of ease, of inner ease, of being at ease with yourself and learning and then recognizing through this awareness how you, if you really trust it, you're coming from the center rather than just endlessly trying to to find your way through the complexities of the conditioned realm around you. Because Theravada Buddhism can look very complicated. Dhamma Vinaya, if you read it in the scriptures, you know, books, you know, shelf of books, commentaries, and it looks so mind-boggling and it can be very kind of, you know, threatening when we see it in terms of of, uh, of all the lists. They they, they list everything and, and the Abhidhamma and all the rules in the Vinya and then the commentaries and on and on like this is so complicated. Is that what the Buddha was trying to create? Just a, incredibly complicated system for us. So then the, the, the Samana life and the, the life that we live is it's, you know, what's the spirit? For me it's simplicity. It's being at ease. If I'm at ease then I, I feel peaceful. I feel loving, I feel receptive. If I'm not, then I, then I, you know, if I'm trying to live up to high standards and, and, uh, try to figure everything out. And, uh, I mean, I might live on four requisites, might have a ragged robe, picked up the rags, sewed them together eat just alms food that had been the bottom of instead, get a loaf of bread and an apple, content with that, and drink my urine when I'm sick. Live in an old garden shed down in the woods. And you might be very impressed and say, oh, Ajahn Tomato's super duper bhikkhu, you know. And he's so... He really keeps to the four requisites, to their very basic standard. But I might, you know, be very complicated, make that into a kind of very complicated thing for myself. And as, uh, as I, you know, my health deteriorates and, <laughs> and that, you know, everything gets more and more difficult because I'm very attached to, I'm one who has fewness of needs. I don't need all other stuff I can become very complicated with that 
by holding too tight to a standard, no matter how beautiful the standard might be, is not simplicity. Is it? it's not being at ease. It's it's uh, increasing uh, the cause of increasing tension. So it's uh, the spirit then is simplicity renunciation not as a kind of attack on evil forces and and that but as as just a relaxation and when your inner tyrants start shouting at you you know and uh you know, just you know that you, you've got to prove that you've got to do something, and because you know most of us are programmed for achievement. So it's it's very much uh, we want to you know prove ourselves and do things. Well, we can allow ourselves to experiment, you know, like you know to do a lot of strict practice and things like this. Fine, not. not not trying to say that you shouldn't do it but it's also to put into your consciousness an attitude that that will even put even your you know will put your these things in perspective so we can take on you know periods of ascetic ascetic practice and just in order to see the result to to uh, learn from it, not like the Tutanga rules uh, and so forth. Samatha practices, all these are, you know, fine and nothing, nothing, uh, not saying, have any acts to grind against them. But, with the attitude, then, then even these, like, the, the samatha techniques and the Tudonga rules, and these are, you know, they, they have a, they, they, they don't become rigid for us. We, if we're more at ease, then jhana is, is easy. You know, if, if you, if you have a sense of being at ease with yourself and, and being, uh, and having a, a kind of convivial mind, mind that's happy and joyful, and the John factors are not, you know, are almost right there. But trying to get piti sukha ekagata through intense, willful practice. They're trying to shut everything out and control everything, and you know you just you know you go, in, go into tensions. So like the jhanas are sense of relaxing and and trusting, where where then these the rapture and happiness, mental happiness, one pointedness are quite you know they're, they're they come from that. 
that sense of being at ease rather than through a willful act of trying to control your mind. So this is, I don't know if this is my, my last day tonight or not. But, uh, uh, I won't be here next winter. And, uh, I, I must admit this has been very, uh, good group, very excellent uh, group of people to spend the winter retreat with. It's been very nice living with all of you. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, all that I, my reflections in the morning are for encouragement and not for intimidating or, or for, uh, trying to tell you how to practice. You know, this is, the, what I'm really saying is, is trust yourself, you know. What, what do you need? What works? What do you, what do you, what do you need right now in terms of this moment in the way you are in this community now? You know, and then the, then you don't have to even answer the question, but the answer will come if you, if you kind of open to that. Then if we establish this sense of metta, goodwill, conviviality, and, and enjoying each other's company, learning to see each other in a, in a friendly way, rather than in a critical, in a critical way. Relationship to each other is one of, of, uh, Enjoying the life, you know, some are not, rather than endlessly thinking, no, you know, you know, looking for the perfect place, perfect monastery where, you know, there are only a few monks that I get along with, that'll be perfect. Take a couple of monks I really get along with, go down to Devon. That's it. And, and then we, once we, you know, I don't get on with it, you stay here. <laughs> uh, into the, the kind of, you want to, uh, you know, uh, control it like that. Well that's alright too, you know, I'm not even against that, but, but in terms of this monastery, it's like this. How to live here, and enjoy living here. If you think, oh, cat, those are people, and I don't like this monk, and that, and that, and then, and then you've, you've made it, you've set your mind, so you can't, you know, you've decided already, and, uh, so that's how you're going to experience this place. So then the, then the, uh, then the other attitude is, you know, even with the people we, we don't, we find, 
difficult or whatever how can we live with them that uh, you know that's, that's another thing to contemplate you think well I have to change and or I have to change <laughs> but just uh, an attitude can make the world of difference you know? Because this sensitive realm is such that that uh, we can, uh, you know, we do feel, we do affect each other, whether we like it or not. So, offer this as a reflection.